The following message was recorded live at Three Strands Church. We hope it will bless you, encourage you, and challenge you in your journey of faith. We'd love to pray for you or answer any questions you have. You can message us at threestrands.church/contact. We're in this series called They Say, right? You guys have been helping me out um, every week of the series. I've been giving away some stuff. And I got complaints about like the prizes I was giving out. I was like, it's free prizes, people. Like, don't complain when it's free. You know what I mean? Like, that's goodness. And then uh, Brad told me this morning he only comes to church here because he works here. So I don't know. What the... <laughs> he, uh, backstory, like he dropped a bunch of water on the ground this morning, like water bottles. And I laughed at him. I was like, hee, 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 like I was making fun of him. And Michelle said, I don't know why any of us even come to church here. And Brad said, I only come because I work here. So I don't know what that means. But, so yeah, but anyhow, so that's just a little behind the scenes story from this morning. But I want you to help me out again this week. Uh, we've been talking about this idea of all the things that people out there say. They say a lot of stuff, right? But they're not always right. And in fact, often they're wrong. Whether they're the majority or the minority, often the things that they say turn out not to be true. I mean, they said a lot of stuff about COVID that turned out not to be true. Am I right? I mean, I'm just saying, like, they say a lot of stuff. And a lot of times it isn't really true. At one point, they said the earth was flat. They told us the earth was the center of the universe. Um, at one point, if you had like a, a cut on your arm, you went to the doctor, he'd stick some leeches on you. Anybody want to go back to when they said that? Yeah. Or they would like have you drink bleach if you had a stomach ache at one point. Anybody want to go back to that time? Sometimes what they say isn't the right thing. But what God says is always the right thing. And that's what this series is really about. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. It's a three chapters long sermon that Jesus preached in Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. We're only looking at about 20 verses of it. So there's quite a bit more if you want to read it on your own sometime. But Jesus sets out to kind of dispel this idea that just because they say it means it's right. And he gives for us six things that they all say, but that he says something different about. They say these six things, and if you believe them, you'll get into heaven. But I'm telling you, that won't get you into heaven. I'm raising the bar. I'm upping the ante. I'm raising this thing to a whole new level of righteousness or right living or doing all the right things. And if you don't do these things, you can't ever get into the kingdom of heaven. It's a high, high bar. And so you guys have been helping me out, kind of our theme principle for this series. It'll be on the screen. And uh, who can fill in the blanks for me? Anybody can fill in the blanks for me? Uh, anybody? 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 All right, go ahead. Oh, excellent, excellent. Cookies and cream, Hershey bar, you're welcome. You're welcome for whoever's complaining about the gifts. All right. Yeah, trust what God says, not what they say. If you can get that principle down and live by it, your life will be way better, I promise, because God promises it, okay? Um, because there's a lot of voices you can listen to. We've been working on this one the whole series too, right? Opie was the only one in the whole room that knew this one last week, so somebody's got to step up to the plate, right? But help me with the next one. You ready? The voice you listen to will determine what? Who can do this one? The voice you listen to will determine what? E.G. Yeah. Oh, she's reading it. Go ahead. The voice you listen to, what, will be Brad Green. What'd you say? Oh, no, just kidding. 
There you go. Cadbury caramel something. Yeah. The voice you listen to will determine the future you experience, right? So what if we all started listening to God's voice? No matter what they say, no matter what I feel, no matter what seems like the right answer to me, what if I started listening to what God says instead? That's what this series is all about, right? And so picture Jesus preaching this sermon out on a mountainside. That's why they call it the Sermon on the Mount. He's just preaching a sermon on the side of a mountain, so it's called the Sermon on the Mount, right? And Jesus is preaching to this group of probably thousands of people from Israel. And in that group happens to be a bunch of their religious leaders. Remember me saying this in the previous few weeks? But their religious leaders are different than like pastors or priests or other clerics in our culture today. Their religious leaders function not just as religious leaders, but also as political leaders, also as judicial leaders. So they were kind of like judges. They were kind of like politicians. They were kind of like priests or pastors. They were all rolled into one. They carried a big stick. They held quite a bit of power. And everybody in the crowd would have looked at that group of people as being the best ones of all of them. If anybody was right with God, it would be these religious leaders. If anybody was getting into heaven for sure, it would be these Pharisees and teachers of religious law who were there in the crowd with them. And it doesn't say this in the Bible, but it feels to me as if Jesus kind of scans the crowd and makes eye contact with that group, that group of religious leaders. And he issues this warning in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. And this is the warning he says, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and we don't get this today because we don't necessarily think along the same lines they were thinking culturally or politically or religiously. But everybody in the crowd would have kind of been like, what? If those guys aren't getting in, there's no way I'm getting in. Those guys are the best of the best. Nobody follows God's rules like those guys. If they're not making it to heaven based on their righteousness, their right living, they're doing the right things, there's no way I'm going to get in. And that's kind of the point of this whole passage. Jesus is ripping to shreds their idea of self-righteousness. That they could ever be good enough to have God look at them and be like, you're so good, come on into my perfect heaven. That none of us are sinless. That all of us lack the righteousness needed to get God's approval. And so he sets off on this kind of I don't know, six-paragraph-long journey of these statements saying, this is what they say it takes to be righteous, to do the right thing, to get into heaven. But I say it's got to be something more. They tell you you're not supposed to commit murder, but I say you're not even supposed to get angry at somebody else. And everybody would have been like, what? I get angry all the time. I'll never get into heaven. They say you're not supposed to commit adultery, but I say... You're not even supposed to look at somebody and feel lust in your heart towards them. What? Who's getting into heaven now? They say you can get divorced for any old reason you want as long as you file the right paperwork. But I say you're not even supposed to get divorced. They say you only have to keep your word if you swear to somebody in the name of the Lord. 
But I say that every word you say is to the Lord, and so you should keep your word no matter what you say. Just be honest. And you're looking at that, and you're thinking to yourself, like, based on that, Jesus, like, how many times have I been guilty of murder because I've been angry? How many times have I been guilty of adultery because I've thought lustful thoughts? How many times? How guilty am I? I've been divorced once, twice, three times. Now what? I guess I'm doomed. Is that what you're saying? You can't even lie? You have to keep every word you speak and be honest about everything? Well, who's left? Who's left that isn't a murderer, that's committed adultery, that's divorced, that lies? Who's left that can get there on their own? And that's the point. None of us. He's not going to stop there. He's going to go to the next one. Let me read you the next one. It's in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 38. I'll read it to you. You have heard, remember that's code for they say, right? You have heard the law that says the punishment must, must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That might be a confusing phrase for some of you. We'll come back to it. Don't worry about it right now. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, right? Do not resist an evil person. We'll come back to that too. Do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Okay, now I read through that real quick. We're going to come back to it. That might seem like a lot to you. We're going to go through it, I promise. So what are they saying? Let me sum up. They are saying an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We'll teach through from God's word what that means in just a second. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And what is Jesus saying? Let me sum it up. He's saying, don't resist an evil person. All right. Now you got to stay with me because on both sides of this, there's a lot of air out there. Not not air like A-I-R, air like E-R-R-O-R. Right, okay. So there's a lot of air out there. There's people that take this passage and use this passage to justify total pacifism, that we should never fight back, that we should just let everybody walk all over us, that every war is an unjust war, and it's never the right thing. So if the criminal knocks on your door, you're just supposed to open them up and be like, go ahead and take what you want. You want my kids? Kidnap them. Go for it. I don't ever fight back. I'm not going to resist the evil person, Right? That is wrong, okay? Stay with me, stay with me. We're gonna show you it in God's word. And then there's the other side of it, the people that look at this and they um, use this passage to justify vigilantism. It's like an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So if you wrong me, I'm gonna get you back exactly how you got me. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. In fact, it's in the Bible four times. So I guess it's true, right? I could just, if you punch me, I'm punching you back. If you steal from me, I'm stealing from you. If you hurt my kids, I'm going to hurt your kids. Say something bad about me online, I'm going to say something bad about you online. If you stab me in the back, you better watch your six, right? That's the way people interpret this passage on both sides of it. You got one group like takes it to be like, we should never fight back. We should never defend ourselves. We should never have any rights. Then you got the other side that says, no matter what the offense, no matter how small the slight, get them back. Revenge. Take revenge on anybody that does you or injustice or offends you, right? All right, so what I want to do is I want to 
kind of started a place I think we can all agree. Because there might be people in the room that feel both of those things or some combination of both of those things mixed together. But I want to see what God really says, okay? We want to trust what God says, not what, not what they say. All right, my wife heard that. All right, I appreciate that. So, um, yeah, we want to trust what God says, not what they say, right? So, but let's start with something I think we can all agree on. Would you say, would you agree that most Americans have a strong sense of their rights, a strong sense of their rights and freedoms. It's kind of like, you know, you hear people say things like, I know my rights, you know what I mean? We, we focused on over the years, talked about, thought about, had whole movements surrounding the idea of rights, haven't we? Civil rights and women's rights and prisoners' rights and victims' rights and human rights. We got all these rights. In fact, we even have in our country this thing they call the Bill of Rights, right? Which is supposed to represent those American ideals that every citizen expects to have protected by our government, right? The freedom to speak is whatever your mind says, the freedom of, uh, uh, to bear arms, uh, the freedom to not be um, subject to illegal search and seizures, all these things, right? We call them our Bill of Rights. So Americans in general kind of have this strong sense of I know my rights and you don't have the right to violate what are my rights, right? That everybody's supposed to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And if you step on that, then you're going to get yours, kind of, right? Everybody has that sense in our country. But what if we've gotten it twisted a little bit? Stay with me for a second. What if for the last couple hundred years, we've slowly believed what they say and stopped believing what God says. Is it possible that maybe we've gotten just a smidge brainwashed? Is it possible? Let's look at what God says. You'll be able to decide for yourself when we get through, okay? So I'm gonna do what we've did all the other weeks so far. I'm gonna kind of look at three things. I wanna show you first, what is this really in God's word? What is the real law that God's talking about here? Well, what, what does God's law really say? And then number two, how were the Jews distorting that law? And then number three, what was Jesus really teaching? So let's look at all three together, okay? What was God really saying in his word? Because this is an actual quote, um, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This is an actual quote from the Old Testament. It comes up three times. I'm not going to read you all three of those. We don't have time to go to all three of them. But I'll give you all three if you want to jot them down. Leviticus chapter 24, verses 19 and 20. Leviticus chapter 24, verses 19 and 20. It's the first one. Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 16 to 21. Deuteronomy 19, verses 16 to 21. And Exodus chapter... Somewhere. Exodus chapter 21, verses 22 to 25. Exodus 21, verses 22 to 25. All right. I don't want to get into the weeds here, but I just want to explain some backstory for you so you can understand what God's really saying here, okay? So in Exodus chapter 20, God introduces his law. We call it the Ten Commandments today, okay? But God introduces the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. And then the rest of the chapter, he kind of expands that law a little bit. He goes beyond just the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20 is packed full of what we would call God's moral law, moral laws, okay? 
Then you get to Exodus chapter 21. Chapter 21 through chapter 23 of Exodus is all a bunch of laws also, but they're different kinds of laws. I'll explain it in just a second. They're what we would call today civil laws. Okay? Now, all of God's moral laws in the Bible are to be obeyed by everybody forever. They never change. They never get deviated from. God always expects humanity to obey his moral law. Civil laws are a little different. What God says about civil laws is that we're to obey the civil authorities above us. So the laws in America could be different from the laws in Italy, but God would expect us both to honor our government and the laws they've passed as long as they don't violate his moral laws. You with me? Okay, so that's the difference. Let me give you some examples of that, right? Like in God's civil law in Exodus 21 to 23, there was a law that said if your neighbor killed one of your cows, right, you were allowed to take him to court and he would either be executed or he would have to kill two of his cows to pay you back, right? Okay, we don't do that in America, right? If you have a cow and your neighbor kills it, not literal, no, like a literal cow, not have a cow, but if you own a cow and your neighbor kills it and you take him to court, no matter how the case turns out, the judge is not going to sentence that guy to death, right? He's not going to tell that guy to kill two of his own cows. It's a civil law, right? Let me give you another example on the other side of that, right? Nowhere in Exodus 21 to 23, nowhere, in fact, in all of the Bible, is there a law recorded on speed limits. But God still wants you to obey the law of speed limits. He doesn't want you to drive 150 down the road. Why? Because he's put government in charge of us to pass laws. And if at all possible, unless they violate his moral laws, We're to obey those civil laws. But there's nothing in the Bible about that. The Israelites could go as fast as they wanted to on their camels. There's no law about that. And they weren't disobeying God or sinning by doing that. But I'm under the obligation to submit to the authority God's allowed in my life. Okay, Does everybody understand the difference between those two? The entire world from eternity past to eternity future is expected not to commit murder. That's a moral law in Exodus chapter 20, a Ten Commandment, right? One of the Ten Commandments. But civil laws could change all the time, depending on the era you live in or the government that's ruling over you. And all God's saying about those is, obey the authority over you unless they violate my moral law. That's it. Are you with me so far? Everybody understand the difference between those two? You got to understand that difference to really understand what Jesus is teaching in Matthew 5. All right, so we get to these three occurrences in the Old Testament that say an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I need you to know that all three of them, you can look it up for yourself. I gave you the passages. Look it up and confirm what I'm saying. All three of them are are in reference to court cases, civil matters, civil disputes and laws. Let me tell you what they are real quick. The first one was two guys get into a fight. And in the course of the fight, it sounds like this couldn't even happen, but I guess this could happen. In the course of the fight, one of them bumps into a pregnant lady and hurts her, okay? They take him to court, and God's instruction for the people of Israel is, when they come to court, whatever injuries the lady suffered, the same injuries are being inflicted on the guy that bumped into her. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If he gave her a bruise, give him a bruise. If he cut off her hand, 
Lop off his hand. Oh, I'm not supposed to say it. Kenny doesn't like that word, lop off. Cut off her hand, right? I said, if, if the baby dies, if the, if the unborn baby dies, he's to lose his life. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You see what's saying? The punishment should be equal to the crime. Is what they're saying, right? The second occurrence of that is a guy who uh, uh, goes to a judge and he lies about his neighbor. He says, this guy uh, cheated me. He stole from me. He, and they go to court. And in court, the guy lies about the neighbor. He perjures himself. And, and, and the instruction from God is, if he's caught perjuring himself, then the, then the punishment for him is whatever punishment the guy he lied about would have got if he'd have been found guilty. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. What he was trying to get that guy to suffer, he will now suffer. You, you with me? The third instance that I gave you there where it shows up in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth, is a guy goes out and he picks a fight, he beats somebody up, and then they take him to court. And, and, and in court, God says, this guy is to be punished in the same way. So whatever severity of beating he gave the one guy, he should get the exact same severity of beating or equal to by the judge or the jury or whoever is making the decision. You with me? You understand what I'm saying? This is a civil law. Nowhere in the Bible is an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth ever taught as the way you're supposed to interact in your relationships. It's how the legal system is supposed to work. You don't get punched in the face and be like, well, God said now that you punched me in the face, I can punch you back in the face. That's not what's being said here, okay? God said because you uh, killed somebody I love that now I could kill somebody you love. That's not what's being taught here. That's not what's being taught in the Old Testament. No, you would take them to court. The judge would decide. The jury would make that ruling or decision. There's a difference between the two things, okay? Uh, in God's eyes, laws are good and needed. It's how he governs society. If God thought laws were bad and we should be lawless and just everybody get their own justice when they want it, why did he even give us the Ten Commandments? Why did he even give us laws? He's obviously in favor of them. There's a hundred examples I could go to that. Let me show you one. First Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 says, We know that the law is good when used correctly. For the law was not intended for people who do what is right. It is for people who are lawless and rebellious. So law is created not for the good people to do the right thing, it's so the jerks that keep doing the wrong thing would have consequences. It's how God has set up to have his society govern. And if there is no law, if there is no punishment, people tend to just do whatever they want. And the fact of the matter is, no matter how much you love Jesus, no matter how godly you may be here today, if there weren't speed limits or speeding tickets, many of us would be driving at speeds that would be bad for society. Let's just be real about it for a second, right? If, if I knew I wouldn't get caught, you know you're with me on this. If you knew you wouldn't get caught, you know there are people over the years that would have got one between the eyes. You know it, right? But because there's laws, because there's punishment and consequences for crimes in our society, that's how God kind of has set up for there to be order in human society, okay? So he's not advocating... For us to be passive and never deal with crime, but he's also not advocating for us to go out, be vindictive, vengeful, um, and, and become this vigilante that, that seeks our own justice. No, there's, there's a different approach here, okay? So, all right, so that's what God's law was teaching. Law is good, it's needed, but there are different kinds of laws. This law we're talking about here happened to be a civil law 
that could be different depending on the culture you live in, the punishment for crimes, but it's always in reference to the legal system, the judicial system, all right? And that's what Jesus is talking about. But now how they've distorted it in Jewish culture was that they took that law and they twisted it to justify getting people back however they wanted to. So they could now do anything they wanted to somebody that offended them, even in the slightest way. And they would just be like, well, God's word says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So I'm justified. I'm righteous. I'm still right with God, even though I do this stuff. That's what the Jews of Jesus's time were doing. The problem with that, the problem with vigilantism, that everybody wants to go Batman on the world. The problem with that is that the real human heart, not maybe in the DC world, but the real human heart, can't be trusted with that kind of justice. Because inside the real human heart, if you're being honest with yourself, justice always gets distorted into revenge. And and here's how I know that's true. You ready? Because there's a lot of things that people do that offend me, hurt my feelings, make me upset, tick me off. and, and, And I want to do something back to them. But if I took that exact same thing to court and a judge heard it, he'd be like, well, that isn't anything. Just toughen up. Let me, let me give you an example. Like, I'm driving along, and somebody cuts me off. I want to follow them to their house and get out and pound them in the face. You know you do too, you liars, right? But if you took that to court, you're like, Your Honor, this guy cut me off in traffic. Did he hit your car? Well, no, but he cut me off, and I was in a hurry. The judge would be like, let's get out of here with this. Not even a crime. Like, just toughen up and just, you know, grow up a little bit. Right? You know that. How many things growing up did your brother or sister do to you and you wanted to beat them in the face for it? But if you were in court, the judge wouldn't punish them. Why? Because in our minds, what we see as justice easily gets twisted into revenge. Right? It's why victims really aren't the ones that should be doling out the sentences. Right? It's why we trust a jury and judges to do that stuff. We need a a neutral kind of arbitrator or a third party opinion who can be fair, who can do what? Who can dole out a punishment that is equal to the crime. Right? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's how it's supposed to work in the legal system, but not in our relationships. You know, if you go home today and your wife does something to make you upset, if you start thinking, I'm going to get her back, do the same thing, that is not going to go well for your marriage. That's not going to work. That's a bad approach to relationships in life. And they had twisted it into this, where they could now do anything they want under the guise of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But that isn't what God teaches. Look at Proverbs 29, verse 24. Don't say, now I can pay them back for what they've done to me. I'll get even with them. We're not supposed to live like that. We're not supposed to say stuff like that. We're not supposed to do things like that. See, the application of this law in Jesus' time had gotten twisted into this whole thing about retaliation. And now I can have this license to seek revenge or vengeance over any slight or offense that comes my way. Instead of seeing this law as a restraint on vengeance, they saw it as a mandate for vengeance, that they could do whatever they wanted, and it was still okay in God's eyes. This is not God's way. This is not the way. You can learn a lot from the Mandalorian. This is not the way. This is not the Jesus way. 
And I know you're looking at this, you're thinking like, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what they've done to me. They deserve to get some, deserves got nothing to do with it. Oh, I'm on fire today. That's unforgiven for all of you who don't watch Western movies. That deserves got nothing to do with this principle. And we want fair. We want our rights. But if you really think about it, you don't want fair. What you really want when you say you want fair is you want fair for you. That's what you really want. Think about it for a second. You go to apply for a job, and the job just came to McCreary County. Brand new industry came to McCreary County. They're hiring one person. You ready? And the job pays $250,000 a year, and you only got to work one day a week. Anybody applying for that job? Yeah, anybody applying for that job? Everybody but Kenny. Oh, I'm just kidding. Anybody applying for that? So you apply for that job, and you hear through the grapevine that you and only one other person are up for the gig. It's down to two of you. The other person's got seven postgraduate degrees, 13 years of experience in the field, pleasant personality. They've managed companies in the past. And you, you're, you've never done anything but work at McDonald's, right? And working at McDonald's is a good job, but I'm just saying like, it's just kind of the only job you've ever had, right? And then the CEO calls you up and be like, good news, we're giving you the job. Now, how many of you are like, no, that's not fair. That other person's way more qualified than me. You better give it to them. No. Why? Because you don't really care about fair. What you really care about is fair for you, right? That's what we're talking about here. In our minds, fairness and justice go out the window at the expense of what's best for us and getting our own revenge. We don't really care about fair. We care about what's good for us. As long as our rights are protected, hey, take away somebody else's rights. This is not God's way vengeance for anything and everything in your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul starts talking about all of his rights. And he says, I have all kinds of rights. I have, uh, as, your, as your pastor, as the church planner, as an apostle, don't I deserve to be paid by you for what I do? Yes, I do. Don't I deserve uh, for you to take me into, my, into your house when I'm in town and put me up? And if Apollos or I bring a godly wife with us, don't, don't we have the right to have you put us up and support us, feed us while we're in town? Don't I have the right to travel around and be respected by the churches I started and planted? Don't I have the right to that? And listen, he says, absolutely, I have the right to all that. But I give up all of those rights and I sacrifice them so that it's never about me. But instead... Everybody can just hear the gospel about Jesus. He says, I give up all of my rights. And I sacrifice. And then in Romans 14 and 15, we're told that as Christians, we're given all these rights and freedoms in Christ. But that we're supposed to give them all up so we can be a better servant to other people and not offend anyone else with them. Don't ever take your rights or your uh, privileges or your freedoms and use them to hurt somebody else. Instead, use them to help somebody else. This is the Jesus way. This is the way it's supposed to be. Maybe you hear that and you think, that makes me a fool. That would make me weak. People would walk all over me. Paul addressed that. There was this situation in Corinth 
where Paul was out of town and these other, they called themselves super apostles. I always told our church, like, I'd love to be called a super apostle, except for in the Bible, they were like bad guys. But it sounds like such a cool title. I'm a super apostle, you know, like, I don't want to be that, you know. But um, so it's like these, these super apostles and they come to the church at Corinth and they start to talk trash about Paul and Apollos or Paul and Barnabas. They start to talk trash about it. They're not really apostles. They're not better than us. We're better preachers than them, aren't we? We're, we're better pastor for your church than they would be if they were here. And Paul hears about it. And the people in the church buy into it. And they're like, yeah, you guys are better than Paul. And Paul's like, man, I sweat and bled and suffered to make that church happen. And now you're all like treating me like garbage and saying these other guys are better than us and deserve more respect and more honor than us. Listen to what he says, 1 Corinthians 4. Because if you think it makes you sound like a fool or feel like a fool, to let everybody walk all over you, he understands. Listen to 1 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 10. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. I'm just reading what's there. I'm sorry, I wish it wasn't there for you, but I'm just reading it. But you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Even now, we go hungry and thirsty, and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no, no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We, uh, uh, we appeal gently when evil things are said about us, yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. And it sounds like what he would say, if I was Paul, it sounds like what you'd say after that would be like, and so if you're out there and you're listening, if you're a Christian and you're reading this, run away. Save yourself because this is a horrible way to live. People treat you like the trash of the world. They look at you and think you're a fool. Letting people walk all over you and treat you like garbage. Don't just but that isn't what he says. He ends the discussion in verse 16 by saying, so imitate me. That's the Jesus way. That's the way. It's not super fun, but it's what God says. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 24. He said uh, to his disciples, if any of you want, in Matthew 16, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross. That's code for be willing to die. Take up your own cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So what's Jesus actually teaching back here in Matthew 5? I'm going to read down through it one more time with you and show it to you. It sounds like Jesus is saying we're supposed to be doing that. That is not what Jesus is saying. If somebody breaks down my door and wants to kid out my kids, we're going to shoot them. So put that out there. If we can detain them, we'll try to detain them. But probably don't want to break into our house. I'm just going to say that. Mike, you don't break into my house, I'm going to go, I'll go crazy on you. Okay, so, but um. Uh, but maybe we can detain them, take them to court, and then the judge should eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth them, right? Give them just punishment under the law. That's what I hope would happen. But you're not going to invite them in and say, take whatever you want, go at it, mine's yours, you know. It's not what Jesus is talking about here. Let's look at what he says again, verse 39, or 38, I can't remember now. But I say, do not resist an evil person. That's a tough translation for us. Do not resist an evil person. What that really means is like, don't put up a wall of resistance between you and somebody who's doing you evil. 
All right? Now, this is what happens in our culture. Somebody does us wrong, they offend us, now they're dead to us. Right? We put up a wall of resistance between us and them. Jesus is saying, don't do that. Now, I'm going to give you some examples how that's going to play out. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Now, what Jesus is talking about here is not somebody comes up and decks you. You get up and be like, that was awesome, dude. Hit me again. That's not what he's saying, okay? Somebody slaps you on the right. He doesn't say punches you, hauls off and wails you. There's words for all that. What he says is somebody slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek. This is like the old school way. We don't really do this in our culture anymore of letting somebody know that they're ashamed to you. You're demeaning them. You're smacking them with the back of your hand, being like, you know know what I'm talking about when I say that? Is that too old school for us to know? It's like you you go up to somebody and they take off their glove and smack you with the glove, you know, or something like that in old England or something like that, you know? And so that's this idea. It's like you're you're trying to belittle someone, to demean them, to shame them, to, to strip them of kind of their dignity in that moment. And you're smacking them as like an insult. Does that make sense? They, they did this to Jesus when they were crucifying him. They beat him. They smacked him. They slapped him in the face. They ripped his beard out, all this stuff, trying to demean him as a human. It's like somebody's treating you disrespectfully. It's really what he's talking about. He says, when that happens, just let him keep doing it. Okay, that's hard. I don't know if I can do that. I feel like I have the right to dignity because I'm an American, right? Okay, so then he goes to verse 40. He gives you another example. He says, uh, if you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. Now, this isn't like somebody walked up to you on the street and ripped your shirt off you. That's not what's going on here. You see the context of the verse, right? You're in court and your shirt is taken from you. So what's happened is the judge has ruled against you. You're guilty. There's an implication of guilt in this verse. You're guilty, and the judge says, like, your sentence is you got to give that guy your shirt. And Jesus is like, if that happens, then offer him your coat too. Now, at that time, some people might have only had one shirt and one coat. And Jesus is basically saying, like, all the things that you look to in your life for security, your comfort, your, be willing to give them all up, even for the person that's suing you rough. I don't like it either. I know you're all looking at me like, I don't like this. I don't like it either. I'm with you. I want to get them back. You know, I'm feeling just like you. Then he goes on verse 41. He's going to kind of talk about your liberty. We've talked about this one before. If a soldier demands you carry his pack for a mile, offer to carry it for two miles. Roman soldiers could demand anybody carry their gear for up to one mile. And Jesus is like, if they, if they ask you to carry their gear for a mile, volunteer to love them and do it for two miles. Then verse 42, he kind of talks about our property or our wealth. And he says, give to those who ask. Don't turn away from those who want to borrow. And I just want you to know, that doesn't mean you're supposed to give everybody all your money if they ask you for it. But I'm always on the lookout for how I can give generously to other people. Do you get what's going on here? It's like Jesus is taking all these fundamental rights that we think we have so deep down inside of us. And he's not saying be a doormat. He's not saying don't, don't, let, don't hold people accountable for crime. He's not even talking about that. He's saying when people offend you, when people demean you, they disrespect you, they threaten your uh, security of the stuff you have or the shirt off your back or, or it feels like they're impinging on your freedoms, your time, they're not being considerate of you, they're treating you like garbage. In those moments, love them back. Go the extra mile. Give generously to them. 
Give them even more than they're asking for that they deserve. Just, just overwhelm them with kindness and love and giving. And that's the Jesus way. Some of you are like, I'm out. I don't like that. I don't like the Jesus way. Don't, don't retaliate is what he's saying. Charles Spurgeon once said, uh, sometimes as Christians, it's incumbent upon us to be the anvil while all the other people in our life are the hammer. That's just the Jesus life. If you're going to live the Jesus way, you can't be getting everybody back for everything they do to you. You can't be seeking revenge and retaliation on everybody around you. You can't take every slightest little thing that somebody does and say, well, the Bible says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, so put your finger down so I can cut it off. Come here so I can jab you in the eye. Like, it doesn't work that way. That's not Jesus. That's not the principles in the Bible. That's not what he's trying to teach us. Look at Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 17. We're supposed to get people back? Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave, to, leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead of that, here's what you're supposed to do. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their head. I love that part. I had a friend in college who used to say that to me all the time when I'd do something. That's what you, I guess that's the kind of jokes you tell in Bible college. But he was like, I'd do something to him. Instead of getting me back, he'd be like, hot coals, hot coals. You know? But um, okay, so that's the idea. When somebody mistreats you, you love them back. You love them back. And, as, and do, nothing makes somebody more ticked off than when they can't get you going. No, nothing really heaps hot coals of shame onto somebody's head more than when they can't make you angry, when, when they can't make you react, when they can't make you do something online to, to prove how upset you are with it. It's like, it's just like, it doesn't even bother you. You're just like, eh, love them back. Say something nice about them. Give them a gift. It, it's the Jesus way. It's God's way. And maybe you think, Jesus doesn't understand. He doesn't understand what I've been through. He doesn't understand how I've been abused or mistreated or how people in my life have offended me. Really? Have we even read the story of Jesus at the cross? Like, where everybody in his life betrays him and abandons him and mistreats him and they execute him for doing nothing wrong. Jesus doesn't know what it feels like to be offended, to have people treat him like garbage. You're like, well, yeah, but God... God doesn't even understand what I'm going through and how angry I am, how much justice I need, I want in my life. I mean, where was God when I was being abused? He was sitting on the exact same throne that he was sitting on when he watched his son get abused. And you know what he did when that was happening? Nothing. And you know what Jesus did when everybody was treating him like trash in the world? He looked at him and he said, God, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. That's the Jesus way. I wonder for how many of us our life gets marked by retaliation, by revenge. And everybody knows, don't make them angry or they're going to get you back. Don't cross them or you'll regret it. Is that the Jesus way? Is that what Jesus is saying? 
We're going to dig into it more next week as we wrap up. But listen to what Jesus is saying. We're all murderers. We're all adulterers. We're all divorcees. We're all liars. We're all full of vengeance. We can't be righteous on our own. I'm asking you to go out of here, take God's word and try to put it into practice. But it's never going to be perfect. You're never going to get it so good that God's going to be like, you've made it into heaven on your own. It's not going to work like that. But as people throw rocks at me and try to weigh me down with their insults, try to offend me and get angry at me, I take all of that weight on me and it feels so heavy and I just want to throw it all back at them. But instead I choose the Jesus way, which is forgiveness and love and kindness and just doing what God says to do, even if I don't feel like it. Just listening to God's voice above all the other voices, just trusting what God says and not what they say. Can I pray for you? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for all the cool things that you are doing behind the scenes here, all the exciting weeks that are ahead of us in the coming months. I want to just celebrate your goodness. Be thankful for all your blessing. But today, God, I want to beg you for courage for courage to fall on our crowd right now. That they would go out of here and they would forgive those who have mistreated them. They would be kind to those who have treated them like garbage. They would show love to people who really don't deserve it. They would follow the Jesus way, not because it'll get them into heaven, because we'll never be good enough for that. But they would follow the Jesus way just because they're trusting what you say and not what they say out there. Give us that kind of courage, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What an amazing challenge from God's word for all of us. We hope you start putting everything you've learned in this session into practice. Be sure to subscribe to the 3SC podcast so you'll never miss any new content. Thanks for listening.